successful trip to Norway and back. Maybe he'll be able to share about that a little later on. We got uh, the Hershey family back after having deserted us for a few weeks. So uh, it's good to have you all here. And we're blessed to have Drew here again to lead us in worship this morning. So go ahead, brother. All right. Good morning, y'all. Y'all want to stand up? I was uh, I was at my home church a couple weeks ago, and uh, I gave a I just kind of gave a little testimony. I was talking about how I was driving to work one day, and I was just thinking to myself, man, how on earth does God accept me? Like, why, 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 why me? Like, why, why does He let me participate in His kingdom? Why does He call me a son? Why does he say that I am, uh, I am his and he is mine? Why do I have, why do I have that? And uh, <laughs> the, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say, just as clear as day, there's nothing you can do. And uh, specifically, they ain't nothing. It, it came out in a very southern, uh, yeah, they ain't nothing you can do. So, yeah. <laughs> And uh, our, our, one of our pastors, he's from Missouri, and he's like, praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks our language. <laughs> I was like, I guess he does, because this is exactly what it sounded like. But, uh, but uh, there's nothing you can do. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you enter and can go boldly both before the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. And, um, so my first song is going to be nothing, nothing but the blood. can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other Found I know nothing but the blood of Jesus for my pardon. For my pardon, this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, not a good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, oh precious 
The shadows disappear And I 
The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to, un to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live righteously and soberly in this present evil world. Looking unto our blessed hope, <laughs> the coming of our God and our Savior Jesus Christ. think every single day you know you might not make it through the day we're not guaranteed tomorrow I think the thought that sticks fast in my head the most is what if he comes and I'm face to face before him what am I going to be doing blessed is that man whose Lord when he comes shall find so doing I want to be blessed like that.
drop a single anchor we're almost home through every toil and danger we're almost home how many pilgrim saints have before us gone no stopping now we're almost home the promised land is calling we're almost home and not a tear shall fall then we're almost home make ready now your souls for that kingdom come no turning back we're almost home Almost home, we're almost home. So press on toward that blessed shore. Oh, praise the Lord, we're almost home. Journey us together, we're almost home. Unto that great forever we're almost home. What song anew will sing round that happy throne? Come faint of heart, we're almost home. Almost home, we're almost home. So press on toward that blessed shore. Oh, praise just a vapor we're almost home that sun is setting yonder we're almost home take courage for this darkness shall break to dawn oh lift your eyes we're almost home almost home we're almost home on toward that blessed shore, oh, praise the Lord, we're almost home, almost home, we're almost home, so press on toward that blessed shore, oh, praise the Lord, we're almost home. Father God, I pray that we would be found in peace at your appearing. And I pray, Lord, that we would be expecting it, that we'd be longing to see you, Lord. And I pray we'd live our lives in such a way as to not be not be abusing the things that you've given us, Lord, but to be using them for your kingdom. To be bringing people into the kingdom, to live a life that's holy and acceptable unto God. Lord, we love you so very much, and I pray that your word today would change our lives and we would not be the same people that we walked in as today. Lord, we'd be different. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
be seated. we sang you remember not here just I mean yes here but just a little bit ago do you remember what it was almost what home did you ever go on a trip anywhere okay you've gone all the way to Canada uh -huh, it's a long ways away it's a foreign land way up north with weird people in it Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> what? I know. It's a long way. So what do you think of when you're coming back? When you, when you, when, do, you ever, do you ever like cheer when you cross the line back into Colorado? When you see the sign? No, your dad never shows you. or points out the sign. Colorful. He's there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would probably still cheer and wake up the van. <laughs> at least at 3 in the morning, the sign doesn't lie. Colorful Colorado. You mean drab brown Colorado? Like when you're coming in from the east, it's just brown. I don't know what color they're talking about. But you ever excited to get back home? Yeah, you're always excited to get back to that comfortable bed with the pillow that was meant to be for your head and just that home right you think that's what it's going to feel like someday when we when we get to be with jesus why do you think it's so exciting that we get to go home to be with jesus why do you think that'll be exciting okay it'll be perfect yeah but there's even a bigger reason Yep. But what's even more than that? Okay, let's let's put it in perspective, Benny. If mom leaves for an hour, what happens when she gets home? Well, it's supposed to be that mom's rejuvenated. Um, okay. Uh, what, what are you doing immediately when mom gets home? Are you just like off in another room going, well, mom's home, big whoop. I ain't worried about her. Is that how you are? No. I mean, what are you doing? You're like... I've, I've seen my children. As soon as mom gets home, they're just clamoring all over. They got to tell her everything that happened for the last five minutes. They got to tell her everything that they wanted to do that dad didn't let them do. <laughs> and they got to tell her, I mean, they got they got 101 questions that they have to ask, right? Well, that's my boys anyway. I mean, and the whole time that mom's... I don't know. It's supported well. Um, 
But I always know that, like, even yesterday, Mom disappeared for a couple minutes just to get food. And all the boys, where's Mom? Where's Mom? Where's Mom? They weren't worried about Dad. They're just worried about Mom. They can't wait to be with Mom again. That's what it's going to feel like to go to be with Jesus. We can't wait to be there because of who He is and to be in His presence. To have our questions answered. To know, the Bible says, to know as we are known. That's what I'm excited about. Can I get a little bit more volume on that amp? All right. God's not dead. You guys know that one? All right. Key of D. God's not dead. No, he is alive. God's not dead. No, he is alive. God's So woo, feel him all over me. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart. My soul, Woo! feel him all over me. Hey, Caleb, which one? You're Caleb. And Jaden, are you feeling alive this morning? Wow. <laughs> he was frozen. <laughs> All right, what's another song we can sing? Got to pick something easy. Drew's not very good on guitar. He's like the best guitar player I've ever seen, so. What do you, cast your burdens? I'm trying to think if I can actually do all that without Jason. I never. Cast your burdens. Do it in D again. I'm going to screw this up doing this. Is it? It's A, ain't it? I'm not going to get the right key. Cast your burdens onto G. Yeah, that's too low. That's too low. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Satan 
Jesus loves me, right? What key, Jerry? You're going to do it? What? Jesus loves me, you don't know? Oh, which key? Any? C? Is this thing off? Is this thing way off? Something sounds way off on this. Something sounds way off. I should. I forgot to tune this thing. All right, we'll just do Jesus Loves Me acapella. Yet. You can. Thanks, Drew, and Preston. The only drums are the only thing on on that last song. Something was way off. All right. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Okay, Soretta has a lesson for you. Derek, can she get a mic? Test, test. Oh, there it is. Okay, I have a question for you guys. How many of you like treasure hunts? Really? I know Blakey loves to do treasure hunts. He likes to make treasure hunts for his brothers. Sometimes when they have birthdays, he will do a whole treasure hunt and spend most of the day making a really cool treasure hunt. So they are lucky to have him for their brother, huh? Okay, well, I'm going to have a treasure hunt for you guys. But first, you have to listen up to the, to the lesson, okay? Can you contain your excitement for a little bit? Okay, so I'm going to talk about... Did you know Jesus talked about treasure in the Bible? About the kingdom of God? That it is... It is worth selling everything to go buy 
Okay, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'll tell you the story. Jesus told his followers many parables about the kingdom of God. Do you know what a kingdom is? No? Okay, a kingdom is a place where everyone does what the king says. If you live in the kingdom of God, then that means you do what God says because God is the king. The kingdom of God is not just a place. It is a way of thinking and acting and believing. Jesus taught people about the real king who loves everyone. He wants everyone, no matter where they live, to follow him and live in his kingdom. So, if you live in Norway, do you think you can be a part of the kingdom of God? Yeah? If you live in Africa, do you think you can still be a part of the kingdom of God? Yes. What about China? What about Colorado? Yes, you can be a part of the kingdom of God no matter where you live. Because it's not about where you live, it's about, yes, it's about God and following God. Um, Sometimes kingdoms can be rich and beautiful. The king might own all kinds of treasures and have lots of money. Jesus told his followers that the kingdom of God is richer and more valuable than any treasure in the whole world. Jesus thought that this might be difficult for the people to understand. So he decided to tell them a parable. A parable is a simple story to help people understand a very important thing. So here's the parable. Once a man was working in a field. As he was digging in the dirt, he uncovered a treasure that someone had left there. The man was so excited that he buried the treasure back up and went back home to get some money to buy the field. He did not have enough money, so he sold everything that he owned. He was happy to do this. Now he had enough money, so he went and bought the field. Then the treasure was his. What do you think Jesus' parable meant? The kingdom of God is like that treasure. When we find it, we are so happy that we will give up everything so that we can obey God. Am I really loud? It sounds so loud to me. Um, So we're willing to give up anything, everything, move if that means following God, giving him our whole lives. If it means that we lived in sin, that we stole or that we were unkind, we're willing to change all for God, okay? All for the kingdom of God. Nothing is more valuable than the kingdom of God. It is our treasure, Um, There was one more parable that Jesus told. Once there was a pearl merchant who looked for valuable pearls. When he found good pearls, he would buy the pearls at a low price and then sell them at a higher price to make money. The, The pearl merchant was always looking for the finest pearls. One day, the pearl merchant found one pearl that was very valuable. It was the most beautiful pearl he had ever seen. He knew that he had to have that pearl. So the merchant sold everything he had so he could have enough money to buy that pearl. What do you think this parable means? What do you think? What is the precious pearl? Yes, it's the kingdom of God. Um, He gave up everything he had to own that precious pearl. Okay, so I have a little treasure hunt for you guys to remember this. And let's not all just run and do it all. So let's all go together to do the hunt, okay? 
so that everybody can come along and do it together. It is not going to be outside. You're not going to be going outside just to let you know. It's all going to be inside, okay? I have your first clue. Yes. No way. Well, then don't go near the playground because there's a wasp. So be careful, okay? Somebody just got stung. Who was it? I forget. Somebody I was talking to just got stung. Okay. Your first clue. Everybody stand up. Don't run, but walk, okay? I'm going to have you look for the first clue where the word of God is preached. Where is that? Oh, wow, that was really fast. <laughs> okay, Blake, why don't you read it for everybody? Here, Caden, it's over here. No, say it really loud so everybody can hear. Where do we? Oh, walk, 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 walk. Walk, walk, Benny. Where do we eat lunch? Oh, good job, Sherry. Sherry found it. Can you read it really loud? Let's wait, actually. Let's wait for everybody to come over. Then you can read it really loud. Oh, they were heading to the kitchen. That was a good idea, too. Yeah? Oh, here. Where is the sound controlled? Find me there. Where is the sound controlled? Hmm. Hey, Blakey, can you let someone else find it? You don't actually have to go in there. It's not going to be in there. Hmm. Good job, Lexi. Lexi found it. Do you want to read it? Do you want to have somebody? Shall we have Blakey read it? What is the hot, um, what is the black hot and ground ups like the drink it? What is the black hot and what is black hot and grown ups oh. like to drink it? What is black hot and grown ups like to drink it? What would that be? Any idea? Do you want to come find the treasure? Do you want to come? Come. Let's see if someone else can find it. Oh, you found it. Okay. Okay, this one I want the littler kiddos to go find, okay? And it's just a picture of a tree. Tiffy, do you have any idea? It's not outside. Kaden, where? What could be a tree? What do you think, Caden? What do you think, Benny? <gasps> Did you find it? You can get it. Oh, good job, buddy. Very good. Okay, Sherry, do you want to read? Keep going, you will find my me by your favorite bass guitar player. By your favorite bass guitar player. Who in the world plays bass guitar? Oh, do you think so? Then you should go over there. Where's the bass guitar player? <laughs> now see if you can find any treasure around here. Oh, <laughs> to me, you are. <laughs> okay, there's the treasure. Everybody gets two, and you can 
take some back to, um, to your siblings if they didn't come along. Here, let's get Dom some. Dom, do you want a kiss? Okay, then you can go back to your parents. Good job, guys. Did you get, you get two. You can have two. Two for Caden. Two for you. Do you want some? You can have two. Can he have one or no? Can he have one? No. Okay. The rest are for me. All right. Good lesson. I don't think the kids are going to forget that one right away. I don't know if they'll always remember the story behind it, but they'll remember the candy at least. So, thank you all for uh, sharing so far. Thank you, Drew, for leading out in our worship time. Um, I think announcements are just pretty much our standard ones this morning. We have our lunch after the service and coffee, tea, and water back there in the meantime. So. We're going to turn it over to Phil. I think he's going to share a little bit about his Norway trip. So uh, we'll turn that over to him, and he will be sharing the word with us as well. Go ahead. Ten four. There we go. Um, <laughs> I'm so used to saying in the CD ten four. I said ten four instead of one two three. Let's go ahead and play that video clip. This is a little video clip that one of the elders, um, pastors of the church there in Spirit, put together. That he just took from his iPhone all week long as we spent the time together. Brother Tomud put this together and then he showed it to us at the end of the uh, at the end of the week. And I asked him if I could share it with you because it's a good overview of our week. <clears throat>
Testing one, two. It was a wonderful week, a time of, um, as you've seen, rich fellowship together. And they do this, uh, this is their summer conference that is their main conference of the year. And people come from Sweden and Denmark and Norway and Germany and different places around Europe just to, um, to fellowship together around God's Word and, and uh, have fun together. So it was a wonderful time. <clears throat> you may turn your Bibles with me to Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. There's a word that the Lord has been putting on my heart. And um, as I was fellowshipping with the brothers and sisters there and looking in a fresh way at the Word of God again. The Lord put this word on my heart. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, to give you the context, refresh it in your memory, in case you haven't read it for a while, there was the king of Israel and the king of Judah. Um, the king of Israel, Asa, was, uh, was ruling and he came up against Judah. And um, uh, we see that in, in verse 6, the king Asa brought all Judah and they carried away the stones and Ramah and its timber and, and along with which Basha had been building with them, fortified Geba and Mizpah. Verse 7, at that time, Hanani the seer or the prophet came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Aram, and you can read the backstory, I won't do that today. Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubam an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And here's the key verse. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. Some translations say throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? You know what God is looking for? That he may strongly support those, not everyone, only some. Those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you shall surely have wars. And what the Lord has been speaking into my heart is this relationship with him, reminding me, that what he is looking for in my life, as he looks throughout all of the earth, the eyes of the Lord are looking throughout all of the human beings. What is it? Seven billion people I think the earth has right now. Eight billion, okay. I was off by only just a billion. And he's looking not at your intellect. He's not looking at your body, your stature, how fit you are, or how 
what you eat, what you drink, or how healthy you are. No. He's not even looking at what you're doing necessarily, though he sees all of that. He's looking into the heart and he's saying, what are they trusting in every day? Who's, where's their heart? What is it trusting in? Is it trusting in their intellect? I'll get through this day because I'm smart and I've got my day planned and I've got plan B and plan C and I've even got plan D and E. I've got it figured out and I've got all my backup plans, my ducks in a row. That's how I manage my life. These people who just wing it carelessly, sloppy people. No wonder their life is all, all out of control. Is the Lord looking at that man and saying, I'll strongly support you because you got your ducks in a row. Yep, spiritual ducks I'm talking about. You get up at 5 o'clock every morning. You seek my face. You pray a certain amount of hours every day. You read a certain amount of chapters every day. And then you go out into life and you witness. You tell everybody you meet or most people about Jesus. Oh, and you do your work well. You're a good steward of your money. And then you come home and you have good family life. You care about your wife. You provide well for her and for your children. You care about a healthy family relationship. You structure your home neatly and clean. And, and you work on being kind and loving with each other. That's the person I'll support, God says. Is it? All these things are good things. They're not bad. But they're not necessarily the person who God is looking at. So he can come behind with the Holy Spirit and put the power and his life into that person's heart and mind and write his word on his heart and mind and support him spiritually make him strong against all the attacks of Satan in his life. But the Lord is looking for some, those whose heart is completely his. And what is that? What does that mean to you? It meant something to Jesus. Jesus defined it. Who could Jesus support Every time they had this one thing, Jesus always did for them whatever they ask. Can someone tell me? Jenny, you said something. No. Faith. Exactly. Every time that Jesus came at the request of someone and followed them to heal or to do something for them, he was looking for their faith. As your faith is, so be it unto you. Who were they trusting in for what they wanted? The banker? Their dad and mom? Their friend? 
another king. The telltale sign is this. Who do you call when you're in trouble? What do you do when you have a desperate need? And if you do come to the Lord, do you believe that He cares? Or do you come to Him as the people came, those prophets of Baal? You remember when Elijah, actually God called Elijah to call a meeting with Israel. Ahab was king. Ahab was a wicked king. And most of the people in Israel were worshipping Baal. And Baal had 400 priests. That's how many men it took to take care of all the sacrifices and all of the things the people brought all the time to this idol called Baal. And God called a meeting through Elijah the prophet. And he said, choose you this day who you will serve. If God is God, worship him and serve him. If Baal is God, worship him and serve him. And Elijah said, you guys first. You outnumber me. 400 men. We're going to build an altar. And we're going to put some wood down. And we're going to get the sacrifice. The animal, the bullock, whatever they put on there. Now, whoever's God can light up the sacrifice with fire. He is God. And the people said, sounds good to me. Let's do it. And so the prophets of Baal, he said, you guys first. The prophets of Baal started calling and calling and calling. And finally it became noonday. And they got a little bit more desperate. And Elijah started mocking them. Hey, you guys should get a little more excited here. Maybe he's on a journey and he can't hear you. Maybe he's asleep and you need to wake him up. And so they did. They started dancing and getting knives and cutting themselves until blood was running out of their arms and their legs and no fire. Until the evening time, all day, they begged their God, Baal, to answer them. Let me ask you something. Is this how you get things from your God? Do you think this is how you get God's attention? I'm going to fast and pray all day and surely God will answer me by the evening time. I'm going to get more desperate than that. And so you, be, you begin to put a lot of effort. You begin to put a lot of words into your prayers. You begin to just, you, you do everything, all of these things to get God's attention. I've been there. Have you? Thinking. As the scribes and Pharisees thought, by your many words, your long prayers, you'll be heard. By your many cries, you'll be heard. Well, those of you who know the story, you know how it ends, right? Elijah says, now it's my turn. It's evening time. You tried all day. Now it's my turn. And so what does Elijah do? Now, God hadn't told him to do this. All God had told him was to call a meeting and build an altar and no fire. But Elijah, he goes a little step further. And he builds this altar 
And he puts stones, he builds it with the stones like God had commanded Moses for Israel to do. And then he digs a ditch around it. And he lays the wood on it and the sacrifice, the animal. And then what does he do? Someone tell me. Get me some water. Now can you imagine the people going, whoa, water? Yep, water. And so the servants start getting water and they pour it over until everything's soaked well. He said, nope, not enough. More, more water. And he fills it up until the ditch is full of water. And then Elijah says, all right, stand back, everybody. Stand back. You see where I'm going with this? What was in Elijah's heart? What was he thinking towards God? Hmm? God had not told Elijah he would light the fire, by the way. We don't know that God had told him that. And Elijah gives this five, less than five minutes, one verse, as the prayer is recorded. Prayer to the Lord. And he says, Lord, just show yourself strong or who you are to these people today. And Elijah steps back. Whoosh! The fire falls from heaven. Can you imagine this? We've all seen lightning strikes, right? But have you ever seen a pillar of fire come down? It not only lights up the sacrifice and burns up the wood, it licks up all the water. Fire burning water. You ever heard of such a thing? And then it even does more. It burns up the rocks. Have you ever seen a fire that burned up a rock to where the rock was no more? And then it does even more. It burns up the dirt. It licks it up, it says. One translation says it licks up the dust. And there must have just been a hole in the ground where the altar stood. Boy, that had an impression on those people. Everyone fell on their face. God, He's the Lord. He's the Lord. But where I'm going to is Elijah. His heart was faith. He didn't have to yell and scream and cry for a whole day to get God's attention. Do you know why? Can someone tell me why? His heart was completely his. Let me tell you what I think. I believe this with my whole heart. He did not need to get God's attention because God had his attention. There's a big difference. When God has your attention and your heart, when you wake up in the morning, you don't need to pray for two hours to get God's attention. Now, you might enjoy His presence for two hours. Indeed. That's sweet. And it's the most wonderful time you could experience on the earth when God says, come, come with me, come apart with me and spend some just quiet time with me. 
Then you'll become like Mary did to Jesus. She came and she sat at his feet and listened to his words and all her anxiety left her. But the point is, God has your attention. God did not have this king's attention. God did not have Israel's attention, but he had Elijah's attention. And so Elijah, because he simply responded to that love and that attention was listening closely and was not afraid to prove God's support in his life. Are you? I tell you, this is the key difference. When God has your attention and he draws you into that love, that love, 1 John chapter 4 says, casts out all fear. And that word fear is timidity or insecurity. Or you're just afraid that God might not support you. God might not do what he actually said he would do. No. If you're trying to get God's attention, you're trying to bring God into your busy life to meet all your needs, you'll probably end up trying to get his attention just like the prophets of Baal. And at the end of the day, the only thing that has changed is you're wore out. You're exhausted. You might even be bled out. But the sacrifice is not lit. God's fire, the Holy Spirit, has not filled your heart. Because perhaps you were trying to prove that God is on your side. You see, Elijah wasn't trying to prove anything. It was God who was proving himself through Elijah. It was God who wanted to prove that he was God to Israel. Elijah was just his servant. And this attitude shift is called faith. And when you and I have that kind of faith towards God, it always leads us into how it led Elijah. It leads us to obedience. That's it. Romans chapter 1 says this. Turn your Bibles with me, please, to Romans chapter 1. Now, we all know, those of us who read the book of Romans, and if you haven't read it lately, I strongly encourage you to do so. It's only 16 chapters, and you could read it this afternoon. If you're a slow reader, maybe a couple hours. Well, that would be a sweet hour with God, wouldn't it? Do you not sing the song, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer? Is it sweet to you? Do you believe that the Lord is calling you into this life the book of Romans describes? I do. And so there are many times I hear because God has my attention. And if God has your attention, you will hear him say, come apart with me and spend some time with me. I want to prove myself strong to you in my word. And this is how I want to do it. And you'll come apart and he'll talk to you. And your heart will be set ablaze as a living sacrifice. Not from your ideas of faith, but from this. Romans chapter 1, verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus 
who was born of the descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus our Lord, through whom we have, look at this, received grace and apostleship. That word apostle is simply meaning a work to do. The apostle, the Greek meaning of that word is a sent one. Did God send Elijah? Yes, he did. He was the sent one to Mount Carmel that day. To bring about, look at these words, the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. For his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe what Paul is saying, this grace, this kind of peace be sent to you through the obedience of faith. You read the whole book. You listen carefully to what God is saying to you. And this will be the result of your faith. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Let me ask you something. Did God reveal himself to Israel that day? Yes, he did. With power, he revealed himself to them. It was a mystery. No one knows how it happened except Elijah prayed. That's it. Right? Everything else is still a mystery. God revealed himself in a mysterious ways with power because Elijah's faith was there. His faith led him to obey God when God called him to go do this work. Verse 26. But now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known now not just to you, not only to your little community. It's not now just in your heart leading you to the obedience of faith. Now God makes an example of your life. That's what God did with Elijah. This, was not, this experience was not just for Elijah. It was not only for Israel. It was for you and me today and to all nations who have existed since this happened and in knew of it, this truth. According to the commandment, of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations. Where does it lead them? All who hear this story. What effect does it have on you? Listen. Leading to obedience of faith. God's got your attention. And you follow. This is the most wonderful Christian life that Jesus came to show us is true. This is how he lived with his heavenly father. When Jesus came to be baptized, 
Do you remember who bore witness of him? John the Baptist at first. And John said, when he, when he knew that Jesus was coming and he heard the Spirit say it in his heart, he's among you. John's like, I don't know the man. You'll read this in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. I don't know who he is. Chapter 1, I think it is. And the Lord told him, I'll send a dove will come down on him and you'll see who he is. And Jesus comes forward and is baptized. Did Jesus get up out of the water and say, Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. You have saved my soul. You have, you're my Father. And just proclaim all the blessings. How much he loves God, his Father. Did he? Someone tell me? No. Who spoke? Who spoke that day? Jesus coming out. The Father was the one who strongly supported his son. This is love. This is living in your father's love. Jesus obeyed, was baptized, and the father spoke. Leading to the obedience of faith in Jesus' life. Later on in John chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, but especially in chapter 6, Jesus says these words. This is how he lived with his heavenly father. Look at these words in John chapter 6. He was teaching the people. Actually, it's in John chapter 5, the verse I'm thinking of, verse 30. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear I speak, or one translation says, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's what you call obedience, faith that obeys. If I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. Have you ever heard someone brag on themselves? Anybody ever heard that? Have you ever done it? Bragged on yourself to others. Yeah, they said I was the best in the bunch. Oh, you should have heard what these guys said about my preaching last week. It was good. It was powerful. It changed lives, man. Yep. Oh, you should see how. And you walk away. And you just go, hmm. It seems a bit hollow. Right? You don't know if I should believe it or not. Maybe it was exaggerated. Maybe it's true. I certainly don't know. Let another man praise you and not your own lips, Proverbs says. Jesus did not disobey that word. And Jesus lived in the reality that he knew, though he testified that God was his father, unless his father would bear witness of that truth. His testimony was hollow. No, he says, there is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the testimony which he bears of me is true. Do you see where Jesus' faith was? Not in his own testimony. It was in his Father. 
what he heard his father saying he believed was true. And so he was confident in that relationship. You see this all throughout the scriptures, dear brother, sister. Men and women who walked with God did so out of God's call on their life and them responding in obedience and God showing himself strong, supporting them, bearing witness to them that they are his child. And this is the voice Jesus heard. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. In whom I am well pleased. You know, you and I can prop ourselves up with all kinds of signs and wonders and imaginations and our own thoughts and our own praise and other people's praise. But that will never give us the strong confidence that the voice of our Heavenly Father bearing witness with us does. In 1 John chapter 4, look what it does to us. And this is our greatest need. 1 John chapter 4 says this. Verse 16. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. He stays with him. By this experience, love is made perfect, is perfected. It continues to grow and be made perfect with us. And what happens? That we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And here's the result. There's no fear in this kind of love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We give him our attention because he has our attention. He got mine first. Jesus said in John 15, his last supper words to the 12, he said, you did not choose me, I chose you. And isn't that true? It's recorded to us. Jesus was walking on the sand, on the seashore. Did the disciples, Peter and James, all of a sudden, and John all of a sudden say, hey, there's a funny looking man, why is he looking at us? Let's go and ask him what he's up to. Is that the way it went? No. They were cleaning their nets. They were busy. Jesus walks up to him and says, follow me. I'll make you fisher of men. What response did they give him? They dropped everything right there. Left their dad with the fishing business and followed him. Do you see the faith leading to obedience kind of faith? Jesus started it. That's why Hebrews says he is the author and finisher of our faith. He begins it and he ends it. He makes our faith sight when we see him and he calls us home. And we stand in his presence and there's no fear. No fear at all of judgment.
Because as he is, so are we. He called, he started, he perfected, he finished it. It was a wonderful transition of glory from glory to glory. As Paul says, we are changed in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 into the image of Jesus in this way. You see this with Israel. Moses shows up in Egypt because God sent him. And Israel, because God shows him really strong to support what Moses was doing and telling them through many plagues on Egypt and great signs, they follow Moses out into the wilderness. And you know, all of these signs that the Lord, how the Lord led them forth, parting the Red Sea, drowning the Egyptian army. But Israel was missing one thing. What were they missing? Can someone tell me? What was missing in Israel's, as a nation, in their relationship with God? I'll highlight it for you. Psalm 103. True, they did not believe. In verse 7, I want you to notice a difference. See if you can pick it out. This is the Psalm of David as David is reflecting back on Israel's journey. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. Do you see any difference there? What's the difference? Yes. How did that difference come to be? Moses knew God's ways. Israel followed his actions. God had to first come and the fire had to fall on the sacrifice to prove he was God and strike so much fear into their hearts that they bowed and worshipped and served. But Elijah, it was quite different, right? Elijah was serving and the fire followed. The fire followed Elijah's faith. The fire drew Israel into faith. So it is with Israel. And the difference is this way. Moses knew God's ways. In Exodus, when this transition, the Lord proved this transition in a very vivid way to Israel in Exodus chapter 31, all throughout actually in beginning in Exodus chapter 20, where God called Moses up into Mount Sinai and the fire fell and there was great earthquake and there was, God came down and the whole mountain smoked like a furnace, it tells us in Exodus chapter 20. And what happens? You can turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 because that's a good one where God really displays himself in verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. Moses went up into this mountain that was turning into a volcano. 
He had the courage to do that. What did the rest of Israel do? This is what they did. So God spoke to Moses, chapter 20, verse 1, these words saying, verse 18, after God was done speaking, all the people heard him. He spoke loud enough that all Israel heard him. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. They backed way off. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, verse 20. For God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Verse 22, Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen and I have spoken to you from heaven. And they continued to, he continued to talk this, this word to them. Until the people said to him, Don't speak to us, God, anymore. We're going to die for sure if you talk to us. You talk to Moses. Let him talk to us. We'll stay at a good, safe distance. Have you ever seen that in your heart? Lord, I know you're calling me into this relationship that is deeply personal. And I'm scared. I'm scared to let go and follow. I don't know what you're going to do with me. So would you do this, Lord? Just talk to the preacher. Speak to Phil or speak to whoever you're listening to. Talk to me through a man. Now, you may not have actually responded that way to God, but do you know how a lot of, lot of people seek God? They seek Him through the voice of a man instead of on a one-to-one -one, listening to the voice of His Holy Spirit, which they know will lead them to obedience, and they're not quite ready to go there. So you know what the response is? I'll listen to this sermon, and this sermon, and this sermon, and this sermon. I need to love my husband more. I need to learn my, love my wife more. I need help with my kids. I need help with my job. I need help with my finances. I'll listen to Dave Ramsey. He'll teach me how to handle my finances and bring me into financial peace. I will, and, and on and on. And I have talked to people, many, many Christians throughout many years. And you know what they've done? They, some listen to five sermons a day. Some listen to podcasts all day long, every day. And when I ask them, so how's it going? Have you learned to love your life, your wife as Christ loves the church and lay down your life for her? No. How's it going, sister? Have you learned to love your children and trusting God like Sarah did for your husband and all his disobedience to God's word? Are you at peace with that? No. Their hearts are still full of anxiety. And you know what they have? They have what Asa has had. War. 
war. They're fighting for everything they got just to survive in the Christian life. They have to fight it, fight it out, fight it out. And they console themselves. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Lord, I believe. But they have not entered into his rest, as Hebrews 4 says. They have not entered into a place of quiet faith that leads to obedience. They missed it. Just like Israel's missing it. But Moses, the reason he knew God's ways, he was willing to walk into the cloud. And later in Hebrews it says, Moses himself said, I'm exceedingly afraid. But in his fear, he walked into God's presence because he heard God say, come. And Israel backed away. You see the difference? That's what produced the different result. And here's where it led Moses to. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about when Moses went into the tent that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance, where? Of his own tent. Each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses as he entered the tent of the meeting. And it came about, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. You see the difference? The distance? They all stayed in their own life. Watching, worshiping from a distance. If there's a title for this sermon, that's it. Worshiping from a distance. Jesus spoke to Israel about this need in Matthew chapter 15. He said, you, you praise me with your lips, but your heart is at a distance far from me. In Philippians, Paul says that many who had once served with him are now seeking their own interests, not the interest of Christ. Where's their heart? Their own interests, worshiping from a distance. But look at the relationship that God had with Moses. And I say this very specifically, not that Moses had with God, that God had with Moses because God is still seeking that relationship with every one of his children all throughout the world. Jesus said in John 4, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit from the heart and in truth 
And God is seeking for those to worship Him from the heart. Verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Abraham had the same relationship. And it tells us in James chapter 2, he was called the what of God? The friend of God. God. It wasn't Abraham that said, God is my friend. Oh, he acknowledged that. He lived in that relationship. It was God who said, Abraham is my friend. Because Abraham obeyed God. His faith led him to obedience. And in Romans chapter 4, you should read this chapter. When you read the whole book of Romans, you will. It says, does this blessedness only come to Abraham? No, it comes to everyone who believes In the same way Abraham believed. With the same faith follows God leading to obedience of faith. And this blessed relationship that God will say, you're my friend. I'm going to fellowship with you. I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to let you know my ways. It will give you the confidence to walk into the presence of God when it comes to you like an earthquake, and your whole life falls apart. When it comes to you like a thick cloud and you can't see your hand in front of your face. When you lose your job and lose your friends and relationships are falling apart like cards all around you or like dominoes and and you have no clue what he's doing. Will you back off in your heart? Begin to say, I'm going to go fishing like Peter. You know, Jesus is dead. Actually, he knew he wasn't dead. Jesus had resurrected in John chapter 21. He had shown himself to Peter numerous times and to the rest. Why did Peter say, I'm going back to my old life. I go fishing. And everyone else said, me too. Why? Because The life he knew with Jesus was over. He knew it was never going to be the same. They got up with Jesus every morning. They went to bed with Jesus every night. They lived with him 24-7. They never left his side. Now Jesus came and went in a bodily presence. He didn't know when he was going to show up. But he didn't stay for very long. And Peter couldn't handle this. This was a whole nature of the relationship he had never known before with Jesus. And so Peter says, you know what? I'm just done. This whole new relationship Jesus is bringing me into, I'm going fishing. And Jesus comes and finds him right there. And what does Jesus say? You love me more than these. And then he ends with, follow me. And Peter never went fishing again after that. 
to fulfill his life. He might have fished, but it wasn't his preoccupation. His faith was not in fishing. His faith was in Jesus Christ and him alone. And he was willing to follow him wherever the spirit led instead of where he wanted to go. He forsook his self-interest and put his faith completely in that word of Jesus Christ. It was revolutionary. The journey of this, Moses went through. And when later on, as you read Exodus chapter 33, read the story. Moses came down from the mount, and what was Israel doing? Worshipping other gods, the golden calf. And God disciplined Israel for that. And God said this to Moses, from now on, I'm not, my presence will not go with you anymore. If I go with you and all of Israel, I will surely kill everybody. Because their hearts are not with me. You know why? Because Amos said, you carried your gods ever since you left Egypt all the way through the wilderness. They had their idols in their tents. Two major ones. You see, Baal wasn't their problem. They were their Egyptian gods that they kept hidden in their tents. Their hearts were there. That's why they quickly made the golden calf. God didn't have their hearts. He said to Moses, I'll go with you, but not with them. But here's what I'll do. I'll send my angel in front of you. And my angel will destroy all your enemies. My angel will guide you. My angel will go before you. And he'll guard you. What do you think Moses said? Sounds like a good plan to me, Lord. You'll stay with me personally. And your angel, you'll, you'll, you'll be here. I mean, isn't that wonderful? You know, Psalm says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Oh, trust and oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Would you be content if the Lord asked you this one thing? If you're not willing to give up your idols in your heart, if you're not willing to give me your heart completely, you can keep some of this other stuff okay but you won't have my Holy Spirit living inside of you but I'll still take good care of you my angel will guard you my angel will watch over you to protect you would you go for it you are going for it or not we're making that choice right now every one of us by how we respond to sin in our life when the Holy Spirit convicts us and wants to change us from one life to another experience with Jesus like he did Peter when he wants to take us out of Egypt and we carry some little habits along or some other little things we really enjoy and Jesus shows up and says give me that one too only because I see it has your heart's affection. And I want that. And we say, oh Lord, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Where Jesus comes on with an earthquake and he shakes up our life. And, and it brings insecurity to us in relationships and 
perhaps accusations people give you or or just you know it it's all around us we all experience it in one way or another do you back away and say I'm going fishing speak to me through a preacher please Lord Moses did not go for it Moses came near to the Lord and he said no Lord I won't go unless you go with me so the Lord said okay I'll go with you he said but no Lord it's more than that I want to know your ways and I want your presence to stay in Israel they're your people and the Lord said okay I'll give you that too changed his mind and then Moses went one step further he said oh Lord can I just see you God and God left the man see a part of him that no man had ever seen Moses knew his ways Israel saw his acts he was the friend of God God called him friend because God was able to share his heart with him and he obeyed that was the difference the rest of the people wanted their little idols in their tents sought their still their interests but wanted God to support them and were okay with the angels fighting their battles this difference is key dear brother sister in our life today and God is inviting every one of us into this relationship in Jesus Christ we often sing the song what a friend we have in Jesus and what's the next line sins and griefs to bear we're so self-centered is that what you want from Jesus that satisfies you what about your heart that's what he's asking for I'm not saying the songs wrong but songs shape our theology and our attitude our faith towards God and we have to be careful because so much of my own Christian life I grew up thinking I am the center of God's universe if I would have been the only person alive he would have died for me he loves me so much it might be true but when a man finally discovered that the earth is not the center of the universe he figured out a lot about God's created universe right what became the center the Sun everything else revolved around the Sun and all of a sudden the whole new revelation of the universe that God had created opened up to mankind and this is still true today when you see that God's imitation is not so much that he wants to be your best friend or that he wants you to be his best friend God's intent was to restore what he had with Adam in the Garden of Eden the original intent for creating us was so he could talk with men have fellowship with them 
share his heart with them, and they would do his will on the earth. That's still his intent. He's inviting us to that. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for sharing. I thought of a quote that I've heard that uh, many Christians like the idea of following Jesus better than actually following Jesus. In other words, we just we have it, we have it in our head. Oh yeah, I'm following Jesus. This is this is all great, but there's no life behind it there's no practical outworking behind it or what what god asks of us in that following just is not there and we heard a lot about that this morning so thank you phil for a clear message from the word of god i think that'll conclude this part of our service and as always or almost always anyway there's a meal prepared i see John and Merv out there grilling something up for us, so I'm sure it'll be good. Let's stand and have a closing prayer and blessing on the meal, and we'll be dismissed. Carrie, you want to lead us in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that we can just be here today and to learn of you, to see more of you and know who you are and what your desire is for us. And Lord, would we seek you with all our hearts, holding nothing back, but Lord, seeking you and knowing you and thriving because of our life within you. Lord, let it not be of our own strength, of our own selves, but Lord, be because of the inner working of you working through us, and that that may come out of us to others around us. Thank you for this time of fellowship we can have, and Lord, I just pray that you bless this food, bless to our bodies, and bless our fellowship this afternoon. We pray this in your name. Dismissed.